we are in the height of pumpkin spice season. Um, I did say that S-Z-N, by the way. Um, So, my question tonight is, actually, it's more of a challenge for you guys. Um, What would be my pumpkin spice deal breaker? Um, Lydia, let's start with you this week. So, you know how they put paprika on top of deviled eggs? Replace that with pumpkin spice. Okay. Okay. Tabitha? Um, you know how they make different flavors of cream cheese? Mm-hmm. One of my favorite sushi rolls is a Boston roll that is cream cheese and avocado. Um, so I think a sushi roll where you replace the cream cheese with pumpkin spice cream cheese. Okay. Matt. <laughs> so I didn't think this was weird as far as what we were going to come up with, but apparently mine is the furthest off the rails. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're going to go with pumpkin spice meatloaf. Now, how would the how would the pumpkin spice like... So you usually season your meatloaf with onion soup mix, you know, all sorts of other salt and pepper, but instead all of those seasonings are replaced with pumpkin spice. Okay. Okay. So, Matt, you lose this round because <laughs> I would try that. <laughs> Honestly, same. Yeah. Um, I don't like deviled eggs. However, if I am given the choice of a deviled egg or that devil monstrosity that Tabitha just described, I would try your pumpkin spice deviled egg. So congratulations, Lydia, for that. Um, and congratulations, Tabitha. You're disgusting. You're welcome. <laughs> You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, and Lydia. All right, so we got a lot to get through on this episode, and um, for you guys listening at home, we are recording two episodes tonight because I'm going to not be here next week, and I was also like, hey, now that we're back, we shouldn't take weeks off, at least for a little while, so I didn't want to take a week off for a little while, so here we are. Um, I guess work overtime. Yeah, that's okay. You get time and a half. Um, so Tabitha, I want to start with you tonight. Um, you've got kind of a, it's a local-ish story. Um, I guess there is some blowback against Alexi Janulius and his campaign to end book banning in Illinois. So Janulius was in Congress defending the book ban ban. Um, essentially the landmark bill that was stopping um, book bans from happening here in the state of Illinois. Um, Unfortunately, in response to Janulius, um, U.S. Senator John Kennedy um, decided to do a live uh, reading of a gay encounter in a challenge book. I won't read it here. Because it's explicit, but he picked a very explicit section of a male-male romance book, or I don't even know what book it was, to be honest with you. But the way he read it was very disconcerting and uncomfortable. Uh, Janulius's response was, the words you spoke are disturbing, especially coming out of your mouth, but we are not advocating for kids to read porn. He essentially picked a pornography book, not a challenged book for children and said that that was the kind of thing they wanted kids to read um emily knox who is a professor of library and information science sciences at u of i um said this about what you could find on a banned book list books that we consider to be diverse about anybody who is not white heterosexual male books that are about lgbtqia people 
about people of color. These are the things that are being challenged. Um, like I said, I'm not going to read anything that Kennedy said here because it was, it was kind of horrendous. I watched the video of this session, but it Janulius's response back was well worded and succinct. Um, just make sure that wherever you are, if you you have a voice, and make sure that you're sticking up for book ban bans, because at the end of the day, literacy is for everyone, not just straight white dudes. So. It's not 1857 anymore, guys. Everybody can read. Well, not everybody. Well, most people are can read, and everyone should be allowed to read what they wish. There we go. Nice. Yeah. Did anybody watch the video? I did not. Mm-hmm. I did, and I actually know where the section he read was from. What was it from? Uh, All Boys Aren't Blue. Oh, by uh, da, 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 da. Johnson. Johnson, yeah, George M. Johnson, mm-hmm. yeah, which that book as a whole is absolutely phenomenal. It's definitely a more adult book, like I would say, probably teenage and up, um, because it does describe his first explicit encounters. And him getting to know who he is as a gay man. Um, it frustrates me that, like, that's, like, he picked that intentionally to, like, make his point. But, yeah. He like, basically took the most explicit thing he could find. And yes. took it completely out of context for his own gain. And I can promise you 100% that he has not read or listened to the rest of that book. And everything else that happens in there, and his journey that he goes through in that book. Yeah. Like I've also read the book. That book has is absolutely not in any shape, form, or fashion pornographic. No, like that's that part of the book. I don't even remember don't truly really remember reading either. because that book is literally this this person's journey from like the start of their life to figuring out who they are as a human, mm-hmm. and. Now I feel extra icky because I did. I listened to the way he, the way he read it yep. with the inflection and the context. Not pretty. Just just absurd. Just gross. And now here's me who's like, well, now I kind of want to hear how he read this. <laughs> I mean, the video's out there. He, True. It's, he very much reads it with the intent to make it as disgusting as possible um you you can just tell like it's a video so you get the look on his face as he's reading over it too yeah that's what i was about to say the look on his face that he is just absolutely disgusted by what he's reading and the way he's it's just it's awful yeah you'll get real angry watching it but it's (laughs) worth the watch it's one of my favorite things i know yeah So let's move on to a couple of books that hopefully won't make it to the banned book list. And let's open up the pull list. What's on our pull list this week? So the first book that we're going to talk about is Matchmaker. It is out now from Silver Sprocket by Cam Marshall. Uh, So Mason and Kimmy are best friends and roommates in the early 2020s. Uh, Dealing with a pandemic, an unstable job market, and love is a lot to handle, and Kimmy has made it their mission to find Mason a boyfriend. Now, if I remember correctly, I think this started out as a webcomic, so it was probably more um, current, you know, like when when the webcomic was released. So that said, my... I don't even want to say it's a complaint, but like one of the things that I like kind of kept going to was how much the pandemic that we all lived through, how central that was to a lot of the different plot points. Um, And it's one of those things where it's like, if I had read this two years ago, I would have been like, Oh yeah, I'm feeling this. Or if I read it like 10 years from now, I would have been like, nostalgic isn't the right word but you know <laughs> the memory yeah, yeah exactly um where we're at now post pandemic i was like i just 
there were a few times where it kind of took me out of that, you know, and just like how like explicit they were about, you know, like wearing masks everywhere and everything like that, which like I understand. And like Mason has a lot of uh, he's immunocompromised. So like I understand it, but still I'm just like, oh, yeah, that was a thing. That was a thing. Um, So all that aside, this book was funny. It was cute. It was borderline wholesome. Um, It it was mostly wholesome, but Kimmy was a little wild sometimes. (laughs) Let's just be honest. Um, But it was nice. Like we got like good backstory with some of the main characters and, you know, like it ends, it ends kind of the way that you not necessarily expect, but like it ends in a way that like, you want it to end in um would happily read a sequel to this uh i would love more kimmy and mason in my life um tabitha you said you read this as well what'd you think i did i'm not quite finished with it and i am invested i need to know what's happening and like even the side characters in this are really interesting like there's Kimmy's ex, who we only meet like briefly, like via like Zoom call, basically, is like one of my favorite characters because they're just quirky. And then I I just really appreciate the simplicity of this in a way. Like the black and white like line draw comics are usually not my favorites, but all of these characters have such distinguished voices, not distinguishing, distinguishing voices. <laughs> now I'm just picturing everyone with like a monocle. Um, <laughs> distinguishing voices that it's, it's really interesting how this was written. And I agree with you. Like occasionally the pandemic talk is a little much had this, if I had been reading this actively, like during that, I would have been like hashtag relatable, but now I'm like, Oh, Oh, the pandemic. Can we not talk about it right now? It stresses me out. Um, I appreciate the way it is covered, though, because during the time that this was being written and this was real life, I think that needed to be said and be done. Like, I think that's Mm -hmm. important. And I also really like Kimmy's gender fluidity. Like... (laughs) Every other panel, she's like, I don't know. And everybody just supports Kimmy and goes with it. And it's like, whatever whatever you want. However you feel today, we'll support you. Like, all these supportive found family friend groups are just amazing. Um, I'm excited to finish this because, like I said, I am very invested. <laughs> Matt, you also said you read this. <laughs> I did. And you mentioned her, Kimmy's gender fluidity. And one of my favorite moments in the entire thing is when she's discussing how she's going to dress the next day and whether she's going to be he, him or she, her, and she's got different outfits on. And uh, Mason and was it Marlo mm-hmm. are both like, uh, you don't have to change outfits to change pronouns. Just pick what you want and we'll go with it. And I was like, that's fantastic. But like Kimmy was like, Oh, this is what I need to do. And she's like, no, no, you don't. Just do mm-hmm. do you, and we'll you know we'll go along for the ride. And it was just great. Um, I found the beginning of this to be a little disjointed and rough, but I think that was also because at that point it was a web comic that wasn't sure if it was going to take off, it was going to last, like if it was going to keep going, those types of things. So it was very like a couple panels couple panels like each each four panel page was like hey this is our 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 flash fiction story you know um and then kind of as it seemed to take off like the the story continued to flow and build and that was when i really i really fell into this and really got into it um i love the characters um yeah cass the side character is one of my favorites kimmy's ex um there's even a whole like little side note where like Cass reintroduces herself and was like, hey, just so you know, I'm not a jerk and we broke up because of this and like explains <laughs> the situation. I'm like, that's fantastic. And it fits with the story without completely pulling you out and giving you more and building on the world that they're in. So I don't know. I, I had a fun time with this. Um, I'm about halfway through and I'm definitely ready to finish and see where this this ends up. Also on the pull list is Queen of Swords number three. It's out September 20th from Vault, written by Michael Morecki with art by Corin Howe. So in the finale of this barbaric spinoff, uh, Sarah confronts her demonic sister 
while Deadheart and Ka have a final stand. Meanwhile, Soren's past and future come together in this ex- exciting conclusion. Um, I so I hadn't read any of Queen of Swords yet, and so it was my mission to read all three issues, and I failed. Um, I read the first issue. I'm super excited to read two and three. But Matt, you did read. You did read all of them. Yes. I'm super jealous. Uh, tell me how jealous I should be. Um, so let's just put it this way: This is a fantastic addition to the Barbarian world and the Barbarian universe. Um, do not go into this expecting the same over-the-top camp and gore and blood um because while the story is very important and you can see how this is going to flow back into the tale and owen and the axe these are very different characters from who we're used to um that detracts nothing from who they are and what they do and the story that they're telling because it's a great three issue arc It, it is a complete arc you get backstory um you get a beginning and an end to Soren's story and what's going on there. Um, there is a talking sword, but this sword does not quite have the snark that Axe does. But I'm ready to see what happens when the two of them quite literally clash. <laughs> um, but I'm... Yeah. Um, I know that that's going to come. I know it's going to happen. It kind of alludes to it at the end of issue three. Um this is an absolute pick this up read this for a side story it just expands everything it's great so let's go into gut reaction ow gut reaction and we're going to start tonight we're actually going to stick with vault for a second uh, so Vault is uh, teaming up with Shout Studios and Guns N' Roses Slash uh, to present uh, to present Deathstalker. It's a comic from creative team Tim Seeley and Jim Terry. Uh, so Deathstalker is based off of the 1983 movie of the same name. Uh, in it, Deathstalker is a warrior on a quest for a magic uh, magical amulet, chalice, and sword, but ends up battling evil sorcerer Munkar. Uh, the comic will launch as a Kickstarter in October for a deluxe hardcover of the book. It will also be available in 2024 in single-issue comics as well as a trade paperback. Uh, giving this a thumbs up, this sounds absurd. Um, it's I have never seen Deathstalker, but from what I've read now, I'm like, okay, this should be a guilty pleasure dumpster fire. Um, it is a one of those so bad it's good 80s movies. Um, so to see that in comic form, here for it. Lydia. Yeah, that sounds like fun. I'm in. Thumbs up. Tabitha. Yeah, that sounds super fun. I'm definitely in. Matt. I mean, it's Guns N' Roses. Is it going to show up on time? <laughs> or not cancel the concert in St. Louis? I don't know. Maybe. Um, I feel like there's... Uh... <laughs> Someone sounds bitter. Yeah. Nah, I, was, I wasn't even going, but it's just funny. And um, they have a history of last-minute cancel. Yeah. I also was just laughing at my own inside-my-head joke about Guns N' Roses slash slash because he's their guitarist. Anyway. Um, Where's my bell? Uh, it was worth it um i don't know this sounds like sounds like fun um i don't know i'll I'll, I'll give it a shot i'll give it a thumbs up tabitha let's talk about something that's not fun um what's drew barrymore doing y'all being dumb all right (laughs) she essentially is crossing the picket line to make sure that uh, i think season four of her drew barrymore talk show is being produced. Um, So I first heard about this because Drew Barrymore was scheduled to host the National Book Awards ceremony. And I had not heard anything different. And then they released a press release that was basically like, it's an evening dedicated to supporting literature and writers to our culture in light of the announcement that the Drew Barrymore show is going to resume production during the strike. Uh, the National Book Foundation has rescinded her invitation to host. Um, this has just kind of been snowballing this entire time. And Drew Barrymore has now pretty much made a lot of mistakes in a row. Um, she does employ 
via the show three writers who are members of the Writers Guild that have been on strike since May. And those writers were picketing outside of the CBS broadcast building on Monday while her show was recording. So we all know about the Writers Guild and we all know about the Screen Actors Guild. And Drew Barrymore decided to go ahead and be one of the only talk shows that was going to go ahead and film, I guess. A bunch of authors have now... um, spoken out against this because that was one of the reasons that she ended up being removed from the National Book Awards as the keynote speaker was because these authors essentially were on social media saying that they were in question about if they were going to go and they're big name authors because of Drew Barrymore. Um, Drew Barrymore decided to make an Instagram post um, basically saying that she's making the choice to come back for the first time and that the show has her name on it but that it's much bigger than her and she doesn't want the other people and the other creators that are on the show that are not the writer or not the writers to essentially lose their livelihood um and she said and i quote i own this choice i want to be there to provide what writers do so well which is bring us together or help us make sense of the human experience so like I said, I became aware of it when the National Book Foundation dropped her. Thumbs up to them for making this decision. It's a it's a wild time in creativity right now. Like Hollywood's a mess. We're not getting any new content. And I don't think the hurt for funds is enough to essentially cross a picket line for Drew Barrymore. But that's neither here nor there what my article that i shared was about was about the national book awards and like i said giant thumbs up to them for making the decision to remove her host matt um yeah thumbs up to them for standing with the writers guild um because like book writers are not in the same boat as those in hollywood and the writers guild or um so for them to stand up like with those other writers is very important um i follow a lot of writers on social media whether they're big name or they're indie press or whoever they are and all of them stand with those writers in hollywood um so big thumbs up to them for taking a stand with all of these writers and saying this is not the time or the place to cross this picket line um thumbs down to her for feeling like whatever she decided that was this choice is more important than i don't know every other actor and writer in hollywood saying no we're gonna stand together like i I don't understand her being the one to feel like she's above it all when everybody else I can think of is like, nope, we're in solidarity. So thumbs up to them, thumbs down to her. Um, yeah. Thumbs up to the book awards, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, thumbs up to them. I'm still giving a thumbs down to Drew Barrymore. Don't get me wrong. However, and, and I don't know if this is why she chose to do this, but to kind of play devil's advocate for a little bit, like she does have other staff members who, because of this strike, are not getting paid. And it is very possible that she decided to go on with, with the show for them. It is also possible that she may have gotten pressure from the studio or whatever um, to do this, you know, and, and it could even be by pressure. I mean, they could even be like, oh, yeah, well, if you're the only talk show, like, on the scene, then, you know, like, you know, like, then you're going to get all the stars, blah, 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 you know, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, that is still not what you should do during yeah. a strike. And <laughs> I anticipate some long-lasting repercussions because of this. Lydia. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Thumbs up to the awards thing. Thumbs down to her. Like, even if you uh, do have good intentions in there, which it's kind of unclear, like, you can say that all you want, but is that really your actual feeling or not? But 
at this point, it's basically open mouth, insert foot. Like, (laughs) that's not a good choice on her part. Speaking of unions, Matt, you have <laughs> um, you have some information on some Marvel artists. I do. Um, so between August twenty first and first and September eleventh, um, Marvel Studios visual effects workers voted whether to unionize or not with the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees (IATSE). Um, the votes were counted. And it's unanimous. So, um, anyone that works in visual effects at Marvel Studios will be able to join this union. Um, In a time where the writers and the actors are banding together, visual effects, like, I don't remember if anybody remembers this, this being an article, but, like, when... Marvel pushed a couple of movies closer together. What Ant-Man and what Black Panther 2? Something like that. Something like that. A couple of the visual effects artists came out after the fact and are like, uh, and said, you know, if you didn't think that these visual effects were super great, um, this is why. And basically they, I don't know, like whistle blew on Marvel saying that, you know, they had to, to rush things or force things out just so that they could spend more time on a bigger budget film. Um, So hopefully this would be one of those things that would help keep that on a more even keel. Um, Visual effects artists, I feel like are in the same boat in a lot of cases as writers when it comes to this kind of stuff, they don't get the credit they deserve for the amount of work that they put in for the finished product. Um, so thumbs up to them for um, unanimously voting to unionize. Yeah. No, definitely thumbs up. Um, this is probably the something that should have happened a while ago. Lydia. Yeah, thumbs up, if, especially if they were put in a position of, hey, we want you to put these two things out as quickly as possible, regardless of the quality at the end. That's ridiculous and shooting yourself in the foot, basically. Tabitha. Yeah, this is, I'm honestly kind of surprised this hasn't happened already. Um, Good for them. Like, obviously, we don't live in a day and age where you don't need something like this anymore. So, thumbs up. Uh, Kind of sticking with Marvel for a little bit. Uh, So, our friends at Cornstock Theater, uh, they're putting on a marvelous production at the end of the month. Um, (laughs) As part of their Cornstock for Kids theater program for kids 7 to 18, the theater is putting on... Three act plays, or I'm sorry, three one act plays based on Marvel characters. Uh, there's Hammered, a Thor and Loki play, a Mirror of Most Value, a Ms. Marvel play, and Squirrel Girl Goes to College, uh, unsurprisingly, a Squirrel Girl play. Uh, the performances are September 27th through October 1st in Peoria, Illinois. Uh, giant thumbs up. Um, Little Mitch, when he was first getting into theater, if he had this opportunity, he would have been like <laughs> so happy. Lydia. Yeah, this is really cute. Thumbs up. Tabitha. Yeah, giant thumbs up. I kind of want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Road trip. Matt. Let's go. No, this is this is fantastic. I love, I don't know, this is just another one of those things where things that were nerdy when we were growing up are mainstream, and I absolutely I'm here for it. Thumbs up. So speaking of Marvel and the stage, Tabitha, <laughs> what's up with Rogers the Musical? Um, uh, Friday is going to be the best day of my life. Um, <laughs> Friday, September 15th, we are getting Rogers the Musical cast recording album on our streaming services. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be 12 tracks. Uh, it's the companion album to the stage show, which uh, only played for two months um, at Disney California Adventure Park. No further presentations of the show have been announced with this upcoming release. Um, we've talked about this thing ad nauseum, but like I said, it is only going to be streaming digitally. There's not going to be a CD or a vinyl or a cassette or anything like, you know, if there was a vinyl, I might buy it. Um, it's a one act show. Very short, very short run. I am 
anxiously anticipating Friday, so giant thumbs up. Matt. I just pictured a vinyl that looks like Cap Shield and now <gasps> I need it. Yes. <laughs> the amount of money I would pay is embarrassing. So yeah. this was already a thumbs up, but if that happens, it's absolutely a thumbs up. So, fun fact, um, when Not Seth and I are going to California next week, um, we've kind of decided last minute-ish to also spend a day at Disneyland. And so, he sent me a text today. He was like, hey, figure out what you want to do at Disneyland. First thing I did was to see if the Rogers the Musical thing was still going on, and I was very upset to see that it's over with. So, um, but still, this is amazing. Uh, also, anxiously awaiting for Friday. Um, may even stay up until eleven o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time tonight to listen to it. Um, here for it, Lydia. Yeah, this sounds like fun. Thumbs up. So, Matt. Um, I'm going to, guess, apologize because, like, I try to at least kind of sort of glance at the stories so I kind of <laughs> know what you're talking about. Um, but this time I just made a quick note. I have no idea what the story is. Tell us about Unity. So Unity is a game developer and a game engine. Um It's an engine that other developers can license to build and develop their own games. Um, so if if you need something as a broad spectrum to kind of understand, um, Unreal licenses their engine for a lot of AAA level video games. They sell it to the developer. The developer takes the base package and adds their characters, their world, things like that to it. Um, so the base graphics engine is unreal. Unity has kind of done the same thing, but for a mobile platform. Um, but the catch here is now is that these developers would have licensed Unity's engine to develop their game. Unity is now going to be initiating their Unity runtime fee which is a pricing model. So you've already paid to license the engine. You've built your game. You've put it online, whether it's the Apple Store or Google Play. People are downloading it and playing it on their phones, iPads, tablets, etc. When you reach a certain number of downloads, sorry, not just downloads, installs, then Unity charges you a fee for having used their engine. Enola really doesn't like this. She doesn't. <laughs> um, so once the game has passed a minimum revenue threshold in the last 12 months and a minimum lifetime install count, the developer will be charged 20 cents per install. Which, you know, okay, 20 cents per, you know, doesn't matter. Somebody did the math on this. So if you make a free game, you've already licensed the app, You've already licensed the engine. Game makes $200,000 from in-app purchases, so microtransactions, for being installed 3 million times. That developer now owes Unity 20 cents per 2.8 million installs for a total of $560,000. That comes out to $360,000 more than they made because you only made 200000 from microtransactions in the game. Gotcha. Yeah. It's a lot of weird math, but basically it amounts to people not being happy. A lot of people online going, "Mm," saying, hey, if you bought our Unity game, just don't install it. Or, um, well, maybe I should just redevelop my entire game with a different engine because I don't want to pay them additionally once it's already downloaded. So it's kind of crappy. It doesn't seem like it's very fair. you know, a lot of these small developers license the engine and then use, like, put it out there for free and then make the money off of those microtransactions. You know, you bought a, a loot box or something. Um, if you get too popular, then those loot boxes that people paid for end up costing you more money. So, um, they're already getting their fee for licensing the engine. 
thumbs down for their own little microtransactions. It's just, it's garbage. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go thumbs down. Um, if I'm going to be completely honest, I understood about 20% of the words that you said in the order in which you said them. So um, take that for what you will. But I feel like Unity should be charging either the flat fee or the 20 cents per download, one or the other. I Nobody likes a double dipper. Lydia. Yeah, and... <laughs> The fact that they're basically nickel and diming the people that are using their platform is ridiculous because a lot of indie game developers use things like Unity and Unreal Engine to even be able to make their their games in the first place. So th- I would just like to point out, Enola picks up on all four of our mics. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's fine. Probably going to leave it in. I don't know. <laughs> she just to be part of the show. Geek Awakens, guest starring Enola. But <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, this is, yeah, I agree with you. Like, if, if you're going to do it, do one or the other. Don't do both because you're, essentially they're going to cause themselves to not have any business in the first place because people are just going to stop using their engine. Yeah. Yeah, I was on Enola duty for about 20% of what Matt said. So between Mitch and I, I think we got the whole thing. So <laughs> That's only 40%, though. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> between Mitch and I, we got 40%. Um, <laughs> I was with you, Matt. I got you. <laughs> Me and you having 40% put together sounds right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it, no. Like you're already, you were trying to talk to me about this the other day and I wasn't listening either at that point. Um, you're welcome. Um, either way that you spend this, uh, even though I didn't like the way Mitch worded it, they are indeed double dipping. Like pick one way to charge, charge that way. Don't be a bunch of greedy bastards. Speaking of video games, Lydia, let's talk about Gargoyles Remastered. Yes. So... Um, there was a Sega Genesis game in 1995 of Disney's Gargoyles, which, by the way, is like one of my favorite shows from when I was a kid and now even still. Um, they are going to be remastering it and releasing it in October on the 19th. Uh, they're going to be releasing it on Steam, uh, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, all for $14.99. Um, they are... Remastering the game, um, they are updating the graphics of the 16-bit side-scrolling platform game um, to closer match the art style of the uh, show itself. Uh, Some of the other features they are adding is where you can actually switch between the new graphics and the old graphics, depending on how you want to play it. Uh, They have also added things like instant rewind, uh, widescreen presentation. They've updated the, uh, or not updated, they've remastered the soundtrack. Guys, I'm excited. I love Gargoyles. I want this game so bad. I can't wait for October 19th. My problem is, do I buy it on Steam and not be able to play it until I can afford a computer, or do I buy it on PlayStation 4 and regret my life decisions? But either way. life decisions. decisions. (laughs) Thumbs up. Big thumbs up. Tabitha. Uh, Yeah, this sounds amazing. I loved that cartoon. I never played the game, obviously, because I'm me. But I would watch somebody play the crap out of this, so thumbs up. You can hang out on my couch. Perfect. (laughs) If you need me, I'll be at Lydia's. (laughs) Um, This is fantastic. I I don't always agree that we need these updated versions of these classic video games. But at the same time, like doing something fun with it where you be able to flip-flop between the old-school graphics and the new graphics, um, you know, updating the soundtrack, and again, doing all of that for what, in all reality, when it comes to video games anymore, for a $15 price point mm-hmm. is a steal. That's fantastic. Like, do, if you're going to do this, don't charge me $60. Uh, for 15 bucks, yeah, I will probably download this too. So yeah. thumbs up. Gargoyles was one of those shows when I was growing up that I didn't watch often, but whenever I did, I was like, this show's really cool. <laughs> um, I don't know why I sounded like George W. Bush there, but I did. Um, I'm uncomfy. 
<laughs> same. I mean, uh, adult. <laughs> same. Uh, <laughs> but um, but anyway, but. So that said, I also never played that game. However, um, just off of what you said with it being a Sega Genesis game, like those types of games in the 90s were my jam. So I would have played this game. Um, I You almost got a thumb sideways out of me when you said that they were updating the graphics. I'm like, no, leave it as a 16-bit. But if you have the option to go back and forth, that's what solidifies the thumbs up for me. Um, Tabitha, speaking of monsters, which gargoyles can kind of be monsters, uh, let's talk about Buffy. You should have just said favorite TV shows from our childhoods. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would have been a better segue. I mean, I was I was doing well on segues, so yeah, like... It was time. Yeah. yeah. So some of the original cast members of Buffy the Vampire Slayer are returning for an audible original story. It's going to be called Slayers, a Buffy, a Buffyverse story set in the same world as the original show. Um, it's going to focus in, the majority of it on Spike and James Barsters is reprising the role. And this will premiere on October 12th. This is basically my reason for living right now. <laughs> Um, in addition to James Marsters, um, we are also getting Charisma Carpenter, Anthony Head, uh, Juliet Landau, Emma Coffo Ford, Amber Benson, laundry list of people that are going to be on the show. Um, the official description says it picks up 10 years after the events of the 2003 finale. Since then, Spike has gone deep undercover in L.A., convincing the forces of darkness that he's back to his evil ways. When his cover is compromised by 16-year-old... <laughs> Indria Nualia, Spike finds himself on Baby Slayer, Baby Slayer sitting duty once more. While he attempts to track down a watcher for his eager new protege, their paths collide with the veteran slayer of a parallel reality where Buffy never existed, a reality where Cordelia is the one and only slayer. And she needs Spike's help with the classic bid bad that's terrorizing his world, his old flame Drusilla. Oh my gosh. I I read this description and I made so many like squealy sounds as I was I was like, hey, hey, like I it was ASMR. Um <laughs> uh, Slayers is written by Benson and Christopher Golden. Um I am over the moon. Um, James Marsters has now said that he's super excited to be back in the Buffy universe as we take listeners on a familiar but unexpected journey, chock full of horror, passion, and mischief. The cast is going to reunite for a panel um, at New York Comic Con. If you guys don't have Audible currently, they are currently running a 30-day free subscription if you don't have access that you can begin your journey now in preparation. I'm going to need some time to just listen to this and nobody talk to me. I am so excited. I don't have enough thumbs for as happy as I am. Any more thumbs? Thumbs way up. All the thumbs. Matt. So I never watched Buffy when it was on. I am currently watching it now while Tabitha's rewatching it and we're about halfway through. I did go to the Buffy panel at C2E2 last year. Charisma Carpenter, James Marsters, Anthony Head. These are fantastic actors, fantastic characters. I absolutely, absolutely, absolutely love this. I have listened to a few like dramatic story-based podcasts. And you can throw this one in the Buffy verse, and I'm all for it. Huge thumbs up. Um yeah, I've never watched Buffy, and I'm not currently watching Buffy, but you all are very excited, so I'm happy for you. Thumbs up. Tabitha, you can have... I've only got two thumbs, but you can have them both. Thank you. <laughs> Lydia. It's been a while since I've watched Buffy, but it was one of my favorite shows a while back. I need to go back and rewatch it, but I'm still working on other things. Supernatural. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm glad you called yourself out, because yeah. I did not, too. <laughs> season 14 anyway um but no the longer you went through this description the more excited i got yeah giant thumbs up i want this really bad (laughs) matt let's talk about a kickstarter for good omens so good omens it's a book it's a tv show 
Terry Pratchett, Neil Gaiman. Um, there was a Kickstarter to make it a graphic novel. Uh, it was fully funded in 10 minutes. Wow. Uh, it's breaking records. It is now 45 times over their original goal. Um, so needless to say, we're going to be getting a Good Omens graphic novel. Um, it's, it is in... It, the, the Terry Pratchett estate is working on this, so it's not something that was just done willy-nilly without their permission. Um, I, 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 was able to, I wasn't able to track down how much um, Neil Gaiman has in regards to this, but it definitely has, has Terry Pratchett's estate being involved in it. Um, the original goal was $31,843. It was 25,000 pounds. It has over 21,000 backers and uh, over $1.4 million on this Kickstarter. Wow. So, um, I don't know. We've started the show. I love the book. I, this is going to be great. It's full color, hardcover, 186 pages. Let's go. Thumbs up. Yeah, total thumbs up. Um, there were multiple times during that Kickstarter campaign that, like, I almost like I was hovering over the pledge button, but I'm trying to not buy as many Kickstarters um, as I have been, so I didn't. But I knew, like, I'm like under the assumption it will get a wide release. And even though if I yeah, I don't get like the super special Kickstarter edition, I'm fine with it. I'm here for it. Thumbs up, Lydia. Yeah, this is another show that I want to watch because it looks like a lot of fun. And that amount of money that they have raised is just astronomical. Like thumbs up, good for them. Tap them. Yeah, this is absolutely intense. Like I love when a something that I would back on Kickstarter if I knew about it when it was happening. Like I go to like look at it and I'm like, oh, they don't need me anymore. Like <laughs> <laughs> I love Good Omens. We're like Matt said about. Three episodes into the first season. Mm, yeah, a little less um, than halfway. I've read the book twice. It's just, it, it's so well done. Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett are two of like the most prolific like fantasy authors out there. This is this is incredible. I'm very excited. Thumbs up. Um, Matt, we're going to stick with you and talk about what Alan Moore is doing. Um, so if you followed Alan Moore at any point in the last probably 10 years, you know that he has a tumultuous relationship with both DC and any adaptations of his work. Um, he recently announced that um, he is no longer accepting royalty checks from DC Comics for film or television adaptations of his work. Um, the checks are going to be sent to Black Lives Matter. Um, he had previously given portions of those checks to Black Lives Matter, um, but he said, I no longer wish it to even be shared with them. Uh, I don't really feel with the recent films that they have stood by what I assumed were their original principles, so I asked DC Comics to send all of the money from any future TV series or films to Black Lives Matter. Um like I said, if you followed him, it's not really a huge surprise, but this is just fantastic. Like, love this. Um, it, it, it's great. I, I I could go, I could deep dive on this, but we'll just say that this is great. I love that this is what he's decided to do with it. So not even just a split, 100% of those checks going right to Black Lives Matter. Thumbs up. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's he, He's doing it for a good cause, so cool. Thumbs up. Lydia. I had to look up who Alan Moore is, but the fact that he is taking something that he believes in and going, nope, you're going to give all my money to them is pretty darn cool. So thumbs up. Tabitha. This is incredible. Thumbs up to this. So you guys know that like awkward moment when you accidentally like an Instagram post from like two years ago. <laughs> well, Michael Sarah did something like that recently. So... 
before Netflix announced the new anime uh, for Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, uh, Sarah randomly revived a cast email chain that hadn't been used in almost a decade. Uh, the last email was a meme that someone sent, and he just said, quote, oh, that's funny. This led Chris Evans to respond, quote, Michael, what the fuck are you doing responding to this email from nine years ago? <laughs> but all's well that ends well because this has caused the group to start talking more regularly after the incident. Uh, and also, as I think we've talked about before with uh, Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, the original movie cast, they're most, if not all, reprising their roles. Um, so this is phenomenal. Um Michael Sarah is my spirit animal. Thumbs up, Lydia. I feel like this is something that I would do by accident, but I would not get that great of a response out of it. So that kind of makes me sad. But good for him and good for everyone else. I was just like, okay, that was random, but hey, let's talk. So just thumbs up. This is great. Tabitha. Uh, a couple of things. First, this is literally Matt's dad um, <laughs> responding to a Snapchat I sent six months ago. Like, where'd you get that? What, Mark? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> or, oh, cute. I'm sure it was, but I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I also kind of feel like maybe he did this on purpose. He was like, I miss my friends. Like, you know how you like, oh, I'm sorry. Like you're like a teenager on like AOL or AIM or whatever. And you like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to message you just to like start a conversation. I feel like this is what that was, uh, which makes me kind of sad for Michael Sarah, but happy that it worked out in his favor. So thumbs up. Matt. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> but thumbs up that this worked out and everybody is uh, – Rejoined the chat. So, Tabitha, you almost had our last story for the night, but then Matt said something, and, I, and I'll get into it later, but he reminded me of something that I desperately wanted to talk about, and it is definitely last story material. Um, so, Tabitha, let's talk about our favorite U.S. Representative Lauren Boebert. Oh, guys. You know I love when people act a fool in public. Um, <laughs> I especially like it when those people act a fool in public, get caught making a fool of themselves in public, and get super embarrassed. What I also love is musical theater. This story is those two things combined. So... If I'm going to Beetlejuice, I am not going to be vaping, singing, and recording, and dancing in the aisles. I might want to, but I'm not going to, because I'm going to be respectful to the other patrons around me. However, uh, Lauren Bober decided that those rules didn't apply to her and began vaping, (laughs) singing, and recording, and just generally causing a disturbance. I'm kind of just picturing the mom from Mean Girls like dancing and recording in the aisle at the end, like at the Christmas production thing. I'm not like a normal U.S. representative. I'm a cool U.S. representative. So she was warned at intermission. Um, and then someone else about five minutes into the second act was like, hey, she's got to go. So she was being loud and they were recording and taking pictures and they told them that they would not leave. They asked them to leave. They said, if you don't leave, you'll be trespassing. And they were still like, no, no, thanks. I'm staying right here. This happened in Denver, by the way. Um, some of the quotes from people were really funny. I'll let you guys look those up on your own. But her um, PR team essentially was like, she was just having a really good time. She was enthusiastically enjoying a weekend performance of Beetlejuice to the dismay of a select few patrons. Um, There's a really good video of security uh, removing her from the theater. Yes. uh, If you are so inclined to view that. Um, (laughs) Bobert encourages now everyone to see the play and it's fantastic cast, tremendous visuals and loud laughs with a gentle reminder to leave their phones outside of the venue. (laughs) (laughs) So the cops came took her away <laughs> so she didn't get trespassing she didn't get trespassed but yep 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 went to beetlejuice acted a fool you've said beetlejuice three times beetlejuice 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 
I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for Michael Keaton to show up. <laughs> All I'm saying is I would not look good in that red wedding dress. Oh, oh mm. yeah. And we do have yeah. a Lydia. We're true. halfway there. Yeah. Yeah. Living on a prayer. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> so where's your thumb? Oh, my thumb is way up for this whole thing, mostly because I got to witness the humiliation. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Um, yeah, thumbs up. Like, you don't get a free pass to act a fool. It just You just don't. Like, I don't care really who you are. Like, there's other people there. Be courteous and respectful. You got what you deserved. Thumbs up. Get her out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially if you're paying those prices, which I know, like, with touring companies, they're not quite as expensive as Broadway, but it's still, like, you're still paying... A good chunk of money. Um, yeah, if that happened to me and, I, and anybody was singing like any louder than just like lip syncing to the words, I'd have words. I would stop the show because I'd be yelling at them. <laughs> I realize two wrongs don't make a right, but still. Um, thumbs down, Bobo. Lydia. <laughs> I wish I had even like a sliver of the audacity that some of these people have to just be like, <laughs> I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I want because I'm having fun. No, you're being a dick. Stop it. <laughs> Sit down. And just, just shush. Thumbs down to her, but thumbs up for how everything went down. Okay. So the last story for the night. So, <sighs> FanDuel. You guys know FanDuel, right? Sport betting app, website, whatever. Yeah. Okay. So, if I'm not mistaken, I believe not Seth told me about this. Oh, I'm sorry. It was not, it was, it's not even FanDuel. It's DraftKings, which, same diff. So, DraftKings had to apologize for a special that they did on Monday, which, for those playing the home game, Monday was the 22nd anniversary of 9-11. So, um, what what they did, um, so they offered a wagering promotion called Never Forget. <laughs> and basically what this was, what this parlay was, was betting for New York sports teams to win their games that day. So they gave plus 651 odds, which I'm not 100% sure what that means, but whatever, it's probably a lot, um, to people who chose the Mets to beat Arizona Diamondbacks, the Yankees to defeat the Red Sox, and the Jets to beat the Bills as a package deal. All three of those things had to happen. So, um, the promotion, which it's been removed, but it said, quote, bet these New York teams to win tonight on 9-11. So, yeah. They did apologize. They said, quote, we sincerely apologize for the featured parlay that was shared briefly in commemoration of 9-11. We respect the significance of this day for our country and especially for the families of those who were directly affected. Yeah, like y'all. I feel like a few people lost their jobs that day. <laughs> what like marketing genius was like? I'm gonna sign off on that. That sounds great. Yeah, like this is just. I don't know. Like I get that we are now of an age where there are grown adults who were not alive for 9/11, and so they don't necessarily, you know, have that same, you know, reaction that some of us do, but like. But still, it's not like it's not like Pizza Hut has a special on Hawaiian pizzas on the um, yeah on on yeah the anniversary of Pearl Harbor. That's that's not a thing. So why is this okay? I mean, apparently it's not. That's why they took it down. <laughs> I mean, true. But now I'm just thinking about all the like places that could offer very inappropriate things for different. Same. Historical disasters. Yeah. Same. <laughs> oh, man. Do you get a discount on a cruise on the day the Titanic sunk? You should. <laughs> Ooh, yes. Oh, man. 
But yeah, just like, wow. Wow. Whoever thought that was a good idea. Probably doesn't have a job. Yeah, and you were wrong, and it's fine. So, all right. Well, that's all we have for this episode. So, uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 That's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. It would be a shame if you didn't follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Geek Awakens Podcast or on Twitter at Geek Awakens. Theme music created and produced by E. Cannon Beats. Our logo was designed by Shay McCain. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We're boldly gone. <laughs>